0: Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending August 12th, 2021. I'm your host, Laura Bardewick, and I'm joined today by Investment Strategies Director, Shay Shatria. Good morning, Shay. How's it going so far today?
1: Uh, doing well. How are you, Laura?
0: Doing very well myself. Thanks so much for taking the time. You know, I was thinking we could touch on three stories this week. Inflation, an ever-popular topic, Senate approvals, and then the U.S. tenure. If that all sounds good to you, let's go ahead and get started with inflation, which remains very important right now. There's plenty of differing opinions out there in the market. I'd just be curious if you could offer your perspective and maybe talk to any reveals from the July CPI report.
1: For sure. Yeah. So while the rate of inflation is elevated relative to the Fed's target, as we know, there weren't too many surprises uh, in the report. So for the month of July, headline inflation was unchanged at 5.4 percent, and that was roughly in line with market expectations. Now, energy prices were up over 23 percent and was a top contributor to the headline number. But when we strip out energy uh, along with food prices, uh, so therefore core inflation was more tame, up only 4.3% on a year-over-year basis. And that was actually a slight deceleration uh, from the 4.5% in June. Now, we know reopening categories have disproportionately boosted uh, inflation over the last four months. So, for example, five categories, uh, three of which are auto-related, along with hotels uh, and airfares, Um, which in total just represent 10% of the core CPI, have accounted for 80% of the inflation uh, over the last four months. Uh, What's encouraging is that uh, price pressures have lessened for all five of these categories in July, suggesting that transitory pricing pressures may be gradually easing. Now, something that Paul Eidelman has spoken of in the past as a watch point for us is wage growth, specifically the Atlanta Fed uh, wage growth tracker. And this indicator for the month of July on an unsmooth basis was the strongest since 2007. Now. One month doesn't make a trend and we don't want to extrapolate too much uh, from this, but it's an upside risk to inflation that we are monitoring. Um, But for the time being, there wasn't anything uh, in the July CPI print itself that would drastically change our outlook uh, for the Fed.
0: Okay, thank you. That's very helpful. You know, We're going to be jumping around a little bit in topics this week. So just moving right along, some key pieces of the president's agenda were approved by the Senate this week. Can you talk a little bit about that as well as any implications to the economy?
1: For sure, yes. Yeah. So two pieces, as you noted, um, made headlines this week. The first uh, is the bipartisan infrastructure bill. So both Senate Democrats and Republicans were able to come to terms on a roughly $1 trillion infrastructure bill, which is inclusive of $550 billion of new infrastructure spending. Now the bill largely targets traditional infrastructure like roads, bridges, rail networks, port uh, uh, ports, as well as expanding America's uh, broadband capabilities, among other things. Now, a couple of takeaways here are one, you know, this agreement does show that at least the two sides can come together and find uh, some common ground on certain legislations, uh, at least, which is encouraging to see, uh, but more importantly, money spent um, to improve the nation's infrastructure is positive as it improves the productive capacity of the economy over the longer term. Of course, this will not require the approval of the House. That's next. Uh, so it's not a done deal just yet. Uh, now, the second piece of legislation is perhaps the more controversial one. Uh, Senate Democrats approved the framework for a $3.5 trillion spending bill, which is part of the president's much broader economic agenda as it targets things like climate change, uh, social and healthcare care initiatives. Uh, the Democrats Aim to get this approved through the reconciliation process later this year, thereby trying to sidestep uh, Republican opposition. Um, But at this point, there aren't too many details uh, of this bill itself, um, particularly how the money will be raised for it. So, for instance, and very important for the markets is what are the tax implications, particularly related to corporate tax and capital gains tax? Clearly, there is a sense of urgency for the Democrats, as they do have a slim majority uh, in both cha- chambers and potential opposition from moderate Democrats themselves. So this story is still evolving and, and, and one that we're keeping an eye on. Um, but the key takeaways um, is that, you know, in a sense, nothing is final just yet on either front, um, but progress is being made and we'll just kind of have to stay tuned for a bit longer.
0: OK, perfect. Thank you again hopping around a bit. Let's go ahead and move on to the US tenure, which has started to recover from recent lows. Can you talk a little bit to that and then tie in the coincident changes in performance for growth and value?
1: Yeah, so interesting uh, action in the bond markets uh, over the last couple, couple of weeks, particularly with uh, bond yield. So if you recall, the 10-year yield in the U.S. was around 1.6% uh, at the time of the June FOMC meeting. And the hawkish surprise then caused yields to steadily decline, uh, bottoming last week at around 1.1%. Now, that drop in yield, coupled with concerns around the growth outlook, also contributed to growth stocks outperforming value over this time period. What has occurred since last week and continuing this week is that the 10-year yield has been recovering, and as of our recording here uh, on Thursday, the U.S. 10-year yield is trading at around 1.36%, so about 15 basis points higher uh, than its recent lows. Now, higher yields has coincided with some recovery in value stocks' uh, performance relative to growth, um, but it's not just higher yields that's been supporting value. It's also been a story of exceptional second-quarter earnings for the S&P 500 overall. But more specifically for value stocks. So value stocks uh, currently are tracking to grow around 92% uh, versus 48% for growth. And moreover, positive surprise has also been much uh, larger for the for value stocks. And that's relative to both growth as well as relative to the broad market. So you know, with all that said, when we look ahead, we believe that the global reopening should continue perhaps with a few bumps along the way, but it's a recovery nonetheless. And that favors favors cyclical companies, which also leads us to a preference for value stocks.
0: Perfect, well, that's all the time we have for today. Shay, thank you so much for the insights and thank you all for joining us as well. We'll see you next time and hope you have a great week in the meantime. (laughs)